0: so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire.
1: Peace be with you. Friends, it's always important to watch Jesus as he dines. Dining is a most important biblical symbol. God created us out of love, and for the sake of sharing His life. The more we surrender to Him, the more we are connected to each other. This co-inherence of divinity and humanity, God's grace flowing into us, we accepting that grace and allowing it to overflow to others, is beautifully symbolized by the image of the sacred meal. Think of the best convivial gathering you've ever been part of. Whether it's a wedding banquet or a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas. Everyone in a good mood. Everyone cheerful. Food being served and shared. Good cheer. Good stories. Everyone feeling this togetherness. Linked to God by prayer. Think of the last time you had a meal like that. That's the biblical image of the good life, of what God wants for us. Look throughout the Old Testament, the importance of the sacred meal. When God draws His people from slavery to freedom, He tells them to sit down and have a meal, the Passover supper. And then He enjoins upon them the command to repeat that supper every year as the sign of their identity their shared supper is a sign of God's solidarity with them and their solidarity with each other. The holy meal. Think, too, of that great image. I've often spoken of it. You'll find it in the book of the prophet Isaiah. The image of the holy mountain. There all the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. The mountain is a place of peace, of nonviolence. Nonviolence where you beat your swords into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. It's the place where the opposites come together. Lion and lamb will lie down together. But this holy mountain is also the place, Isaiah tells us, of a festive meal where God serves juicy meats and pure choice wines. You see, it's the sacred banquet. All the tribes of the world come together in peace and nonviolence, cooperation, And there God lavishes upon them a banquet of His grace, and that grace is now shared with one another. Remember, too, in the Bible, our trouble began with a bad meal. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God tells Adam and Eve but they eat. Grasping at grace, grasping at the divine life. What did it lead to? It led to all the disruption and violence and division of our sinful world. But the sacred banquet, that's what God wants. Now, against this background, we can see why Jesus, Yahweh made flesh, makes eating and drinking so central to his own ministry. Again and again, he engages in what the scholars call open table fellowship. At Jesus' table, everyone's welcome. Men and women, sick and healthy, saints and sinners. This is a symbol of Yahweh's desire to gather His people together in love and fellowship. Listen, what the Passover meal symbolizes, what Isaiah dreamed about, became a concrete reality in the meals of Jesus. And the greatest of these meals took place the night before He died. And whenever we gather at the Mass, we come together from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life. We come together around this sacred meal. We are fulfilling this aspiration of the Bible. Okay. All of that is an introduction to our Gospel for today. We're meant to watch very closely what happens at meals where Jesus is eating. We will learn something about what He wants and what he doesn't want, and to learn what Jesus wants and doesn't want is to learn what God wants and doesn't want. Now, listen to what we hear in the gospel today: as Jesus sits down to eat, quote, "The people were observing him carefully. Ah, how soon this sets in, How soon this sets in from the time we're little kids observing each other carefully. I want you to compare two experiences. The first one is you're lost in a conversation. Just following it wherever it leads. You're talking to a good friend. You're pursuing a fascinating topic, and you're just following the words and the arguments as they go. You've forgotten about yourself. You're not observing your friend. You're just following the flow of the conversation. Now, compare that to this experience. You're having a conversation, but you're watching yourself have it. You're very attentive to the impression you're making, how you're doing, and you're carefully observing your conversation partner. See if he's making any mistakes. See what he's up to, what he's saying. What's the difference between the two? The first one is joyful, graceful. The second one is miserable. Because in the first one, you are lost in reality. In the second one, you are distanced from reality. You're preoccupied in a fussy way. Why do we do this to ourselves? Why do we watch each other and watch ourselves? Why were they watching Jesus at the home of the Pharisee? Here's the answer. We do so and they did so out of an obsession with honor. Honor. Glory. Praise. I've told you before, Thomas Aquinas says the four things we typically desire. Wealth. Pleasure. Pleasure. Power and honor. As I say, very early on, we learn how to play this game. Who's up? Who's down? Who's in? Who's out? Who's impressing the crowd? Who's letting the crowd down? It happens among little tiny kids. Parents know this. Watch little kids at play. When they're lost in the play, they're joyful, they've forgotten about themselves. They're not watching themselves or anybody else. They're just lost in whatever they're doing. That's when they laugh spontaneously. That's when it's joyful. Ah, but so often, even when little kids play, they are watching themselves and their friends. Who's up? Who's down? Who's being noticed? Who's cool? Who isn't? Who's in? Who's out? Watch it happening in schools. When the honor of an award or recognition is more important than the joy of learning. You know, when a kid is, is just caught up in the joy of learning something new, mathematics or reading or history, he's just following this new wonderful subject has been opened up to him. That's one thing. But then he gets preoccupied with honor. Who gets the highest grade? Who gets noticed? Who has the teacher's approval? It happens, of course, all the time on the sports field. Anyone that's played sports knows the sheer joy of getting lost in the rhythm of a game. You're playing football, you're playing baseball, you're playing tennis or golf, and you're just lost in the beauty of it. That's when you're alive. But when you start fussing about how you're doing, how you're being noticed, uh, what impression you're making, hmm the joy is drained away. It happens, adults know this, at your place of business. Who's rising up the ladder? Who just got that promotion? Who has a better office? Why is the boss paying more attention to him than to me? It can happen within a marriage. It's one of the ways a marriage falls apart, by the way. The spouse is no longer in love with each other, but watching each other, jockeying for position. I mentioned the first great problem with this how it distances you from reality. Instead of being lost in reality, you're distanced from it. You're watching it. That's why you're so unhappy in this situation. But can I mention a second problem? When you are preoccupied with honor, it puts your life utterly in the hands of other people. What you're saying when you're obsessed with honor is, my joy depends on you. Only when you approve of me will I be happy. I'm out of control then. I need you and your approval to be happy. Oh, but Christians, listen to me here. The fickle crowd, are you kidding? You put your life in the hand of the crowd, of your friends, of the circle of people around you, with their ever-changing expectations and likes... Does the crowd typically praise the right people for the right reasons? Are you kidding? Who's most honored in our society? Saints? People of extraordinary generosity, spirituality, prayer, decency? Are you kidding? Who's honored in our society? Silly pop stars, fools, immoral jerks tend to be the ones that the the society honors. When you hand your life over to such a crowd, God help you. When you place your life in the hands of those who elevate the very worst people, what will you become? This is what Jesus notices at this meal. What he's implying is, one of the things that breaks up the sacred meal that God intends for his human family is just this preoccupation with honor. And so he tries to interrupt the interruption. He notices the game that people play at meals. They take the highest position. They want to make sure everyone sees them. They want to make sure, oh, he's the most important guest here. Well, now we all recognize this, we all do it all the time. Jesus says, interrupt that, do the opposite. Take the lowest place. Endeavor not to be noticed. Endeavor not to stand out. And then, I love this, he pushes it even further. Sometimes, perversely, our very generosity can be a lightly disguised quest for honor. What I mean is, I give a great banquet. To whom? To those who can return the favor to those who will invite me back to a, a great meal. I'm loving them that they might love me. Well, that's just a disguised egotism, a disguised quest for honor. So he says, interrupt that too. When you throw a dinner or a banquet, a party, invite those who can't invite you back. Invite the poor, the bedraggled, the marginalized, the hopeless. Invite those people because they can invite you back. You see what he's doing he's trying to break us of an addiction we get addicted to honor just as we get addicted to drugs or to sex or to alcohol or anything else. he wants to break us of this addiction that we might listen be able to enter into that holy banquet that's what God wants for us let's get over our obsession with honor and God bless you
0: The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.